Welcome into the Snapped Podcast. My name is Tyler Kluber, and I'm a former Division I athlete turned entrepreneur. I run my own fitness and nutrition coaching business, as well as a sports media brand that produces podcasts, sells merchandise, and creates exclusive paid content. The fun part is I don't really know what I'm doing as a business owner. I'm just figuring it out day by day. This show, Snapped, acts as an audio journal for my thoughts and ideas on fitness, health, business, mindset, and whatever else I find important on the pursuit to personal happiness and a balanced life. I hope you can take something from the show that makes your life a little bit better. And regardless, I'm just happy you're here. Let's have a day. Let's go. Here we are, Snap Podcast, back for another week. And, oh, I'm a little bit worried that today is just going to be scatterbrained, but here you are listening and hopefully it'll be a 15 to 20 minute ramble of something that you can take away from. I think I'm going to land on a really good piece of life advice, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to communicate it, you know, as, as like the best person to get it across. I I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Things are happening. Maybe we'll talk about this more in depth in its own episode because we, Inevitably, as long as I'm doing CrossFit, there's probably going to be CrossFit like updates throughout the competitive season relative to my own performance. And I, man, for those on video, they just got a show of that yawn I just did. I, uh, I'm not going to go deep into what the CrossFit season looks like. Um, I'll just try to explain it very quickly. Basically, there's uh, now four stages to the CrossFit season. You've got the first stage, which is open to everybody. You yourself listening right now could literally sign up for the CrossFit Open through their website, do the workouts, send in um, your scores, and be placed on the leaderboard. Great. Everybody gets to play. After that, there is a second level, which is called the quarterfinals. And the quarterfinals, for the last three years, has taken the top 10% out of the Open. Right, So the field gets cut. 90% of people who participate do not move on. The top 10% do. That's how sports work. The best continue to advance. And 10% was a really good number. 10% was a number that, uh, not necessarily for me specifically, was super hard to make because I've taken this thing way too far. Oh, well, the yawns are just plentiful. Um, you know, I'm in the top 1% when that all shakes out. Um, but it makes it feel more elite. Like when you're in the top 10%, uh, it makes it feel more elite. That top 10% would then go on to the quarterfinals and they would do the quarterfinals. And out of the quarterfinals, um, there isn't an exact percentage, but about 120 people would move on from North America to the semifinals. So it got cut um, drastically. I would say the cut ratio for that round is even maybe smaller than the original 10% from the first round of the second. So you're cutting out of the top 10%, let's say 300,000 people sign up for the open, 30,000 people get to move on to the quarterfinals. Like if you're using that same metric, then 3000 people get to move on to semifinals. And it is not that way. Uh, Seven times. It was about more like th- more like 300 people get to move on. So out of that top 10%, they then take the top 1% of that uh, more saturated group. 
very, very hard to make that, uh, that level. Now I was a hundred spots out from doing that pretty darn close. Well, in short, uh, they've now changed from the first, you know, the open to the quarters. Now 25% of people make it. So you could basically walk in and as long as you know how to do most of the movements in CrossFit and your lungs don't just completely suck, you can basically make quarterfinals. So any sort of exclusiveness of making it to that second round is gone. Uh, feels bad. And from the second round to the third round, they've cut the North America uh, qualifiers by a third. So instead of 120 people making it, and it's already such a fine line, like trying to fight for those spots in the 130s, the 140s, the 150s. They've now cut that down to 80 people will make it. So essentially what's happened is in the sport that I kind of sort of compete in, train for all year round, spend a lot of my life on, the thing that I qualify for now out of just being the normal person in the open no longer means anything. And the thing that I really, really have a small chance of making but have been trying to push for just got not even a little bit more elite, but a lot more elite and has been shortened down to basically it has to be your full-time job to make it. Um, so that's not going to happen. So it's awesome. So that's awesome. And that's where the CrossFit season is at right now. Cool. Uh, maybe the stuff that I talked about a couple weeks ago, trying to figure out what my best 5K time is or what I can get that down to, trying to run my best mile time, those sorts of things. Uh, maybe going on just like a bodybuilding cut, trying to see how fucking ripped we can be, just absolutely diced. Um, maybe those things will be coming sooner th rather than later. Maybe I will be getting into jujitsu. And talking about that a little bit, pondering that in my head. So we'll see. Um, what else is happening? As far as my, uh, you know, I've, I've been on this little bulk, right? We've been doing the, well, and I guess we'll have, nah, it's, we've still got like two months left. Uh, we're a month in after the second DEXA scan. So we've got a little less than two months before I get another DEXA scan. I am as I said in that in that last podcast, trying my best to continue to put on weight slowly, just hammering protein every single day and hoping that the weight that I'm putting on is in conjunction with the sort of training that I'm doing. Obviously, a lot of lifting, uh, a lot of strength work, not a ton of hypertrophy, hypertrophy stuff, but there will be a fair amount of hypertrophy sort of bodybuilding accessory added in in the next couple months. Um, I'm trying to make the weight that I put on as close to a hundred percent, uh, muscle as I can. That's generally, as we talked about last time, pretty impossible, especially for trained individuals, but somehow I managed to do it over the course of a three month span, added seven pounds of pure, uh, seven, seven pounds of pure muscle. Uh, we're looking to do something similar. We're trying to get to 200 pounds and less than 15% body fat. So I think we're doing well for a while there. I was like, damn, I am eating, uh, like I'm eating upwards of 4,500 calories a day. Like I set my goal around 4,000, but I'm actually trying to come in uh, a little bit higher than that because my training is, is as we get, you know, we're now four under four months away from the CrossFit season starting. So we're in a 
call it like a 16 week prep uh, to be in peak shape. And so the volume is going to increase a little bit. Weekly volume right now has been, I would say, somewhere between eight and 10 hours of training. I've really tried to back it off and get a lot of quality over quantity. Um, but it's going to ramp up to like, oh, it's going to ramp up closer to like 12 to 14 hours over the next month or so. And then when we get close to the open, it's going to be 15 plus, uh, 15 plus hours a week, maybe closer to 20. So um, with that increased activity, obviously I'm going to be burning a lot more calories. I'm going to need a lot more calories to recover. And it's going to be tough to be in a caloric surplus to add mass. Um, the positive to that is with that kind of training, uh, when you're training two plus hours a day, and a lot of it is strength work and high intensity interval training, and like you're burning it down with your lungs, there isn't, and you're doing as much as zone two, like you're just, you have such a balanced program as I do. It is damn near impossible to put on fat. Like your body just doesn't have, uh, the way that works is your body is going to prioritize the tissue that's going to be the most beneficial for the tasks that you're putting your body on, uh, through the, the stresses that you're putting your body under. Right. So if my body gets used to, um, you know, shit, we're training two to three hours a day. We got to be able to lift heavy weights. We got to be able to run fast. We got to be able to run long. We have to basically be able to do everything athletically, which is a severe stress. It's going to add the tissue. There's only two of them that is most beneficial uh, for being able to complete those tasks. Uh, spoiler alert, that's muscle. So, but you got to eat. You have to be able to fucking eat. And I'm telling you guys, um, I try and eat. I mean, I would say that 70% of my meals are like, maybe 60 or 70% of my meals are pretty damn clean. And I'm waking up in the morning and I'm having, some people wouldn't call a peanut butter and jelly sandwich clean, but I'm waking up in the morning and I have eggs and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And that is as functional slash clean as I can be. The peanut butter and jelly sort of tops off or at least gives me a start of like a glucose storage uh, to pull from for the day. Right. I get some sugars in me. I'm going to, when I do my morning session, I'm doing it about an hour after I eat. So I need some shit. I need some stuff to, to run on. I need some fuel. The eggs are mostly protein. Like I need, like it's a 25 gram protein hit to start off the morning. There's a few extra grams in the, uh, in the peanut butter and jelly. That's where I'm at. Now I could change that. I, there's a million things I could do for breakfast, but that's what I like and what's cheap and what's easy. And I just don't see a reason to change that. Um, and to be honest, like four scrambled eggs and a peanut butter and jelly right away in the morning. Like, damn, I'm also canning 24 ounces of water right when I wake up because I'm trying to stay hydrated. And God, do I feel better when I'm hydrated? Like the, the proof is in the pudding on that one. So I can't just cut back on the water. Um, it's a lot to eat. I can't eat. I could, but I, I just, I get uncomfortable already. So you know, lunch is always pretty much a meat and rice situation, totaling somewhere around a thousand to 1200 calories, some berries in there as well. Super clean meal. 
And then my refuel after my, my post-workout is a yogurt and a protein shake, a Greek yogurt and a protein shake, and then sometimes another peanut butter and jelly sandwich to fucking get calories in. Um, you know, again, pretty darn clean. Like if the PB and J is as, is as bad as we're getting here, it's, it's not bad. It's a natural peanut butter and it's a, uh, natural jelly. So it's not like we're using the most sugary shit out there. And, um, and then dinner is usually like the one meal of the day where we kind of like, and we have to, uh, dinner and dessert, we have to get a little bit undisciplined but it's not on discipline. We just have to get a little bit more processed. Uh, we're eating pastas. We're eating breads. We're eating um, pizza. We're eating, uh, you know, I'm having a lot of steak and burgers and chicken and stuff like that, but I have to add stuff to it. Um, oftentimes I have to have a, some type of dessert, like cookies, two or three cookies at the end of a night, which is usually just in the form of cookie dough um, ice cream at the end of the night, a bowl of cereal at the end of the night. And that, that tops us off, right? Just above 4,000 calories, you know? So if I want 4,500, it's really tough to get there. And all of that, it's crazy what happens when you know your step count and how much you're moving and how much you're burning and exactly every single day tracking what comes in. It's crazy how I'm just barely in a caloric surplus with that. My body is burning high 3000s, close to 4000 calories a day. And that little bit of a surplus just gets packed on his muscle. Like the body is a very crazy thing. It's fun to do science experiments with. Um, that's where we're at eating wise. Finally, the life lesson for today is uh, it stems from a conversation that I had with our student intern slash fourth member of the washed up walk-ons on a podcast yesterday. Um, and it's, I, I don't know if there's a, a, a way to simplify it with words uh, or, or like some catchy phrase that sounds good, but it's essentially the, the idea or the philosophy of like, don't limit yourself in what you could potentially do. Like do not put a governor on yourself. And I have, um, I have two prime examples of this. <laughs> One in business, one in personal, uh, you know, the fitness realm. Um, And I actually started to think like it's interesting that I did this or I have done this a couple times where I don't want to get let down or I don't want to put in effort to something that might fail or, or I don't know what the reason is that I'm holding myself back, holding ideas or potential things back, but I'm doing it. Um. And I'm not that kind of person. I never have been that kind of person. Uh, in fact, some would say that I'm, I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum uh, where, you know, in high school, um, almost immediately, I always thought that it was possible for me. You know, I was going to be the one who played Division One football. I was going to find a way to do that. Um, I, you know, I could be, uh, once I got into long snapping specifically, I could be the one that was, you know, why not me? Like I could be top five, top 10 in the country, in the entire country. Never thought that was a big deal. Got into college and I thought, yeah, I'll start for four years. Like that's not a big deal. Um, as my college career went on, I was fully convinced that I was going to get a very good shot at an NFL team. An NFL team. There's 32 jobs for NFL long snapper. I was fully convinced like, yeah, I'm going to probably have one of those. 
I, I've always been the person. And then just speaking more generally in life, like I never hold myself back. I have this sort of deep, unexplainable feeling in my bones that whatever I do, I am going to find a way to be the best at it. And um, I'm going to get exactly out, exactly what I want out of every endeavor that I throw myself into. And so these two examples are very weird. But for a long, long time, and I, I could name the reasons or excuses, I didn't think that I could compete in CrossFit at a very high level. Um, I, if, you know, maybe a regret you could call it, but one of the biggest uh, misses on my part with my personal uh, competitive fitness career is I did not start this until I was um, 27 years old. 27 is kind of like the mid, like the the average age of a CrossFit competitor at the CrossFit Games. Like at the peak of the sport, your average male competitor is about 27 years old. So past that, you're now on the uh, the older side. You know, at 29, going on 30, I'm you know, the the, the fucking Masters division starts in five years, right? Like, um, you know, you hit 30 in CrossFit as a guy, and you're kind of on the way out. Well, that's tough because that's where I'm at. And I'm just, you know, finally getting to my, what I thought would be a good spot for me competitively. But um, for the longest time, I was doing CrossFit right out of college. I was 23 years old. It was the, it was the spring of 2018. And aside from an injury, a knee injury that I needed a little surgery on, I immediately started training CrossFit. And if I would have just immediately right there believed in myself like hey i think i could get to the top of this sport i think i could train and maybe make a semifinal, maybe make the crossfit games i think i would have had a crazy good chance um if i was 23 and decided to competitive competitively start training like i did in the september of 2021 i've only been doing that now for you know two years and two months is competitively training. Um, so I would have been 25 years old on my way to 26. Huge runway, five years to try and like do something special. And I don't, and I always just thought like, there's no way I could be that fit. Same thing with, uh, with a thing that we're ha having happen in our business right now, the wash up walk-ons. We got a really, really cool opportunity. A lot of you may be aware um, to create a collaboration beer like our own beer based on our brand, our brand popularized on our show, the term Hawks by a million when talking about, hey, what do we think? How do we think this game is going to end up this weekend? It's the Hawkeyes versus the Wisconsin Badgers. What do you think the score is going to be? Hawks by a million, baby. Hawks by a million. It's just sort of like a rally cry, a, a, a rally statement. Well, we created a beer called Hops by a million because obviously beer has hops in it. Um, and it sounds like Hawks by a million branded it out. We've got our logo on there, black and gold. It's a beautiful can. We just crushed an opening night and, uh, sold 1300 cans in one night at one location. And with the new world of NIL beers, there's a bunch of people coming out with beer and pumping it out all over the place and making a ton of money. The swarm beer, the biggest beer in the Iowa space uh, by itself, I think, made like $70,000 of profit for the swarm. That is a, that's coming from a 20% take 
on total sales. So uh, total sales, the Swarm beer in one month, I think the month of August or September earlier this year, made something like $350,000 in revenue. And then the Swarm NIL uh, Collective takes 20% of that, which ended up at 70. That is so many cans of beer, right? Um, and the boys on the podcast, Gary, Drake, Kevin, they have this like grand idea like, hey, why can't we go and be that? Why can't we go and, and do those kind of numbers? And in my head, I just think like, damn, it's so crazy. Like, how are we, our brand why would people buy our stuff? Why would we be able to elevate to that level? Why, why us when that, you know, the collective has so many, there's so many things that just make it seem like that's so institutional. Like it's so big. It's so far out of our stratosphere. We, we that's such a crazy goal. Um, but when you sit down and look at it, it's actually not like people love drinking beer. We came out with a good beer. The beer itself tastes good. That's the initial review. The can looks amazing. It makes money for the children's hospital, our cause. Um, why couldn't we come out with a beer that brings a brings in like $10,000 a month? It doesn't even have to do what the Swarm does. It could be a tenth of what the Swarm does. The Swarm, swarm is going to make like a million dollars plus a year on beer sales. What if we did a tenth of what the Swarm does? And, and every single year for the rest of the time, our brand just brought in a hundred G's based off of a beer. It sounds crazy, but like, why not? And I don't know why I put that governor on us, why I would think that, that, that that's not possible. Maybe it's because I'm the one behind the scenes and I'm the one who does like a lot of the work. So I know that it's going to come with a lot of like learning and I don't know a lot of stuff in the, in the beer distribution and brewing and sales region right now but I, I have a feeling i'm about to learn and um it's good to have those people in your life who who ask you why not why not to the moon right it's literally the the age-old uh, you know shoot for the stars and you may fall on the clouds but if you're shooting for the clouds you're never gonna make it something like that it's just like man don't limit your potential the only person, and this is what Grant said, I'll leave you with this. The only people that are holding it back is us and us thinking that it can only go so far. Because if we have a delusional belief, then sure, maybe we don't get to where we think it could go, but we definitely won't be capping the potential by just having our own parameters that we set on it. And we don't want to do that. You never want to do that with a product or, or a creative project that you have. So don't, don't cap your um don't cap your potential. That's what I got today. 25 minutes, not 20. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a fantastic week. Got a good one coming next week. Um sort of wholesome and uh different. Excited to talk about it. We'll talk uh we'll talk then. Peace.